0: Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me and tuning into this podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast is here to open your awareness. I want to provide you with tactical teachings on how to master your mindset, create your ideal reality, overcome obstacles, and leverage adversity. And most importantly, it's to help you realize that you are in total control of your reality. My hope to inspire and motivate you to keep going. And no matter what, it's all about mind over matter. Be sure to check out my website, heatherhakes.com, where I offer you a free video training on how to get unstuck and create lasting change. Again, that's heatherhakes.com and opt into my free video training. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 271. I'm really excited for this story and I love the background on how to become open to possibility. Today's guest shares everything from overcoming in a huge financial deficit to exposing fears and learning to fail forward and fail quickly. Don't miss a single second of this episode, so make sure you listen all the way to the end. Welcome to today's interview. I've brought on Brooke Lively. Brooke, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Heather. I really appreciate it.
0: Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do?
1: So I live in Fort Worth, Texas with my golden retriever, Katie, who seems to have wandered off, Um, and I help small companies become more profitable. By serving as
0: their CFO. That's amazing. And business is something I think a lot of us can relate to. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I love this stuff. A lot of my circle is too. But I want to speak on a more general level today. And especially I would love for you to share your story, the backstory of, you know, this 26 months of deficit when it came to business. And then but how you had this vision and how it all played out.
1: All right, so first of all, I wanna say this is a story I didn't start telling until about six months ago because I was embarrassed. And here I am. My job was to make companies more profitable and my company ran a loss for 26 months straight, which is a really stinking long time. And I did everything. And I did everything that most entrepreneurs did. I racked up credit card debt I refinanced my house, I ran, I had lines of credit, and I went the, you know, maxed those out, everything was maxed out, and it was a really long time to run a loss, but I knew where I was going. I knew what my company would look like, I knew what I needed to do, I broke down what i needed to accomplish so we were talking right before this and i said how do you eat an elephant right and the answer is one bite at a time so i knew the elephant that i was eating was a profitable company and i knew which bites needed to happen when so that i could turn to a profit um i think the important thing is to not hold your vision too tightly. I think you need to know what that ultimate destination is, but the tighter you hold it, the more restrictive it becomes. So it's like sand, right? You put sand in your hands and the tighter you hold it, it just like spews out between your fingers, right? And when you loosen your grip and you have a, looser hold on that sand, it will sit in your, in your hands forever. So it's, it's have that vision, have a loose hold on it so that you can be open to possibilities. So like I said, I knew the bites of the elephant that I needed to take to be profitable. That's not how I became profitable. I became profitable because I stopped and I listened to my clients and my clients said, this is what we want to do. And I said, okay, we can do that. And that one conversation with three clients went from running a loss every month to running a profit.
0: What I'm hearing you say on the holding your vision loosely is to know the end result, to know that maybe you want to be in a relationship or you want to start a business or you want a certain dollar amount. But are you saying more or less to be open to the how it unfolds Yeah, I think,
1: I I, I think there are two things and and they're going to sound opposite. I think there should be a plan. Absolutely. If you don't have some kind of plan, what did did Churchill say? Um, He who fails to plan plans to fail, I think is the the expression. Um, But at the same time, I think realize that plans change and be open to that change and be open to that new direction.
0: And also something you talked about, you know, this whole idea of the elephant and taking one bite at a time, I have found it so important to know the end goal and to reverse engineer and and create more or less clarity in a roadmap again, loosely, but kind of like, okay, I know I needed to be taking forward progress. I know I need to be taking action and one step at a time. What can I do today? And so during this 26 months of having a deficit, that's a long period. And I feel that most
1: really long time.
0: Yeah. I feel most people would have thrown in the towel, quit, forget it. This is too hard. How did you create belief and certainty or having faith to keep going? Pardon the interruption. Do you ever feel lost or find yourself stuck in a rut? You want change. Maybe it's more money, better relationships, your health, etc. But you don't know where to start. I get it. I've been there. If you're ready to take the leap and actually make change and progress in your life, I offer a free discovery call to see if my one-on-one coaching program is right for you. Visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching for more information and to schedule your call. Now, back to regular programming.
1: I think... I think it was a couple of things. I think it was, well, I'm a numbers girl, right? So we're data driven. And when you have the data, when you make a decision based on data, you don't lose sleep over it because you know, you've made the right decision. So I think that I had my vision. I knew where I was headed. I knew what I was doing and I had a plan to get there. It was based on data so I could be confident in it. And I mean, and that's not to say that I didn't panic. I panicked, you know, I worried and I'm like, well, how is this going to work out? And oh my gosh, I just like refinanced my house and took out all the equity. I mean, I did it all, but it is having that plan and keeping to it. And and for some reason, for me, having the plan was what enabled me to hold the vision. Does
0: that make sense? Well, and something you shared with me being data-driven, when you actually broke it down to how many clients you would need or your next steps, and I and I shared a story with you, I'll share just real quick. My cousin and I have partnered, and, and we have um, an online digital product coming out in a couple months with yoga and wellness. And the initial investment is thousands of dollars, and we are both kind of like, oof. Ugh, you know, that's kind of gut wrenching. That's a lot because we, we don't know the outcome. And I think that's what holds most people back is that initial fear or, or the doubt or how am I going to do it? But the moment we took the dollar amount and we broke down to what our offering is going to be, the monthly income, how many members we would need, it was like, oh, well, that's really freaking doable, so what advice would you give to somebody else who, who has that vision but hasn't done the work or the steps to break it down to see that, oh, this is possible?
1: Do the math. The math is always, I think, once you, there, there's an expression about shining a light on a fear and the fear evaporates. And I think it's the same way if you do the math. Um, I was talking to an attorney out in San Francisco right before the lockdown. And she said, you know, I was so worried about opening my own firm. And then somebody showed me how many hours I needed to bill a month to make it happen. And how many hours a week? It's like two hours a week. Like it was not a big deal. And I think that most people will find the same thing. So for you it was this big, huge investment. All you could, all you could see was that initial investment. And then when you broke it down, when you said, I need, I'm going to make this up 12 clients and I'll make all our money back in five months. You're like, Oh, that's doable. When that attorney found out that she only had to build two hours a week to do it, whatever it is, it's, it's breaking it down. And, And looking at exactly what it will take gives you an immense amount of confidence.
0: Something you also shared previously with me, which I love, and it's, I think, a whole coming from perspective of impossible to possible, is that so many people live from their go-to is no. So talk about that. Yeah, so I think that's...
1: um, I think that's a natural thing for a lot of people. Um, And you've probably heard this, that you can live in a world of abundance or you can live in a world of lack. And choosing to live in the world of abundance is different than living in lack. So if you live in lack, if there's never enough, your initial answer is always going to be no. Living in a world of abundance doesn't mean that your initial answer is yes. Your initial answer is what if? What if this worked out? What if I got the clients I needed? what if? And it's it's a shift, and it's a shift you have to make intentionally. When you find yourself going, no, it won't, say, whoa, 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 hold on, what if? What okay, if sorry. I got the clients? What if I find the perfect guy? What if, you know, the house I've been dreaming of is the next one I go look at?
0: And what I just wrote down that you shared, which is so powerful, is it's an intentional shift going from there's no way to I'll find a way. And so when you come from a from that possibility, I think it, it just opens up, you know, we're all energy, this whole Human experience, we're energy. And so what you're putting out, whatever your vibe is, whatever your thoughts are, lack or scarcity, possibility or not, that's what you're going to continue getting back. And so even your example on the holding the sand, when you're clenching, when you're holding so tight to there's no way or you're trying to have control, what you shared is when you're holding so tight, it actually leaves quicker. Mm -hmm. But then share what it's like when you open.
1: When you open, when you relax, when you, when you become open to the possibility, you'll, you will find, you know, what's the expression life attracts like? And you're right, we are energy. And if you put out the positive to the world, the positive is going to come to you. What you concentrate on multiplies. So if you always say no, you're going to get no. If you say what if or yes, you're going to get what if and yes. And um, it is a conscious decision, it, but it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the more you exercise that muscle, the more you make the decision to say what if instead of no, the easier it becomes, the more ingrained it becomes. And I'm not, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. And even the people who live in that abundant world and are, you know, 99.999% of the time say, what if? There's still going to be days when they're like, oh no, no,
0: no, no. But
1: they're fewer and far between.
0: Well, and what was your mindset shift like those 26 months of deficit into focusing on data-driven, creating that belief in certainty, knowing you could do this, holding your vision what what was that like, and how long did it take for you to start seeing profit again?
1: Um, so it was very much what's past is past. I'm looking forward. So I, I did not dwell. In fact, I didn't know it was twenty six months until a year after I had been profitable. I had no idea that it had been that long. It was a loss. All right, it's in the past. Moving forward. And um, so that's part of it. Like what's behind you is behind you. Look in the rear view mirror. Yes. Look ahead.
0: It's <laughs> funny you bring that up because literally when you were sharing that, I was picturing myself in a car going dr- down the road. And it is so easy to get stuck focusing on what's behind me, what could have been, what should have been, how it could have been different. Well, that's not going to serve you. And so instead to be in the vehicle, be and, and forward thinking. And, and, but I mean, what advice would you give to someone to that? Cause it is easy. And especially if it's habitual to always be thinking in the past, how do you flip the switch to, okay, what can I do today to get closer to my end goal? I think part of it's grateful. So, um, my
1: next door neighbor, I'm trying, I, I actually live in a duplex. I'm trying to buy the other half because I want to knock through the walls I don't know what I would do with that much space, but you know, I really want it. And and it's my vision. I know it's going to happen and I just have to get a crowbar to get my neighbor out of his side. Right. Somehow. And he's sticking so hard to it because he does things like he used to live in Austin and some other places where real estate has really gone up and he will look at the price of the house that he owned 15 years ago, and it's now worth more than a million dollars. And all he can do is say, I lost so much money.
0: Hmm.
1: And I'm like, well, not really. Because you sold that house and you used the money to buy the next house. And then you use that money to buy the house after that. And now you realize that you are living in a house next door to me and you have zero mortgage. So take a moment and be grateful that that first house started this chain reaction that led you to a place that's really great. And I think that you should do that with a lot of things. It's, you know, people talk about the gratitude practice Mm -hmm. and being grateful. And I, and I think it is, I think the things in the rear view mirror brought you to where you are today, the possibility of what you'll have tomorrow.
0: Yes. I love that analogy and especially, oh, gratitude really is so, so important. It's something I've literally done, I think since I was eight and watched it on Oprah, learning about a gratitude journal. So every night before bed, I think of at least five things from that day for which I'm grateful for. So I go to bed feeling so good and lit up and, and a lot of the times just smiling, like that happened to me today. But especially in that guy's case, that just has so much to do with perspective and, and again, not playing the what a, could have should a game. And um, you know, what is, do you have some sort of regular routine or practice that, you know, to keep your mindset strong, to focus forward, to have this gratitude, what are you doing for yourself?
1: Well, one of the, the places where I am most grateful isn't really accessible right now because I do it on airplanes. I travel a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. And I discovered probably six or eight years ago that that is the place where I am most grateful. Part of it is because it's a place I um, have a personal rule. There is... No Wi-Fi and no working on airplanes. It is time for me. And it's time I don't take that time often enough. But the rule is when I'm on an airplane, it's me time. And I find that the moment I stop, the moment I am even the least bit reflective about my life, I am so incredibly grateful for everything I have. And, and let's it, everything I've created. And so it is that slowing down. Um, I'm in EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. And last fall, we, um, there was a big regional meeting. And we had all these people come to speak, including, oh, and I'm not going to re- remember her name. Her first name was Molly. There was a movie made about her, Molly's Game. She ran the big, huge, enormous.
0: Yeah, she's from like the Vale area. Yeah. Oh, her brother. He's a steater.
1: Everybody in Denver knows her brother. It is the funniest thing.
0: Jeremy, Jeremy, Bloom, Molly Bloom. Bloom.
1: Yes, that's it. Why is it that everybody knows Jeremy in Denver? Like, it is the craziest thing. Everybody knows it. So anyway, so she came and spoke and a whole bunch of other people. And the recurring theme that I saw was meditation. Mm. And so that was something that I started after that meeting. Um, and everybody meditates in a different way. And I think that that's something that people need to allow to happen. Um, I meditate lying down. I don't find it comfortable to be sitting up. So I lie down, I pick a yoga position that is a very open position and I meditate. And I started off doing one minute at night, one minute in the morning. And gradually increased it. And I think that, that that is also that slowing down that I don't that I don't do that, that most people don't do. I mean, we're so busy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's that reflective time. I'm not supposed to be reflecting. I'm really supposed to be empty, but you know, again, everybody does it a different way. <laughs> but it's it's taking that time and you
0: do it through your gratitude journal. Well, and ultimately what you're sharing is the power of presence. And especially for those, literally, I was talking this morning with my mastermind group and and one of the members, he's gotten more into meditation lately. He did a Deepak Chopra Chopra, uh, abundance meditation, 21 day. And he's like, I never. Oh, did he do it with Oprah? uh, Maybe, I don't know.
1: Oprah and Deepak do 21-day meditations that are free online and they do them together.
0: Yes, I actually have tried them before. But what he was sharing, he's never stuck with a meditation practice. And he did this one. And actually, long story short, it, it got him out of the monkey mind and quieted his mind and, and got him focused. And he he had an amazing, huge week, but he had with new clients and income, whatever, in his business. 13,000 in a one-week period.
1: That's awesome. He
0: had a five-figure week. I mean, you know, a lot of people want to have a five-figure month. He did it in a week. And so it was just the power of presence. But that, that Heather, it goes back to the sand,
1: right? Yeah. If you are holding it tightly, if you're worrying about everything, if your mind is going 90 miles a minute, it's like you are gripping that sand with everything you have. And stopping, being present, meditation, gratefulness, it's all part of slowing down and opening your hands and holding your your sand in your life loosely in a way that enables things to come to you and for you to see things better.
0: I seriously love that visual and metaphor. So question for you What is one key takeaway you want listeners to get from this conversation?
1: You know, it's so funny. (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me this and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's data driven decisions and it's fear. And and I feel like we haven't really talked about a lot of what I would like the key takeaway to be. Um, So I guess I have to change my takeaway.
0: (laughs) Or share what you think we've missed
1: um okay what I think we've missed and we've we've talked around the edges of it is having that vision and how do you eat an elephant it's one bite at a time I think the missing component that we haven't talked about really directly is shine a light on it there are so many things that we fear um whether it's starting a new business or getting into a relationship or whatever. There's, um, I wrote an article one time about fears in your business are like a child having fears at night of the monster in the closet, right? It's all-encompassing. You feel it. You can't do anything about it. It's the only thing that that child can see and they stay in that pain for a really long time until they finally do something about it. And in a child's case, they call for mom and dad, right? They either overcome the fear that there are sharks in the carpet and they jump out of bed and run to mom and dad, or they just yell loudly enough and mom and dad come and rescue them. There's an outside intervention. So whether you do it yourself or there's an outside intervention, But ultimately what happens is somebody turns on the light and you can see that that was not a monster in the closet. That was the shadow of your teddy bear. And I think doing the same thing in your life, in your business, those things of which you're really scared, shine a light on them, expose them. It makes it so much more manageable and also share it with somebody because that other person's going to have a different perspective on that problem.
0: I think you nailed it. And seriously, that is such a golden nugget, but for somebody who are they even aware of their fears and something we, we talked about offline was, I know people that have been sitting with a dream of theirs and so fearful, so stuck in procrastination, and all the things 10 years have gone by. I don't want whoever's listening for another six months to go by. So how do you shine the light to stop living in the fear-based thought pattern and and shine the light and go forward and do the things you want and, and, and YOLO your life? And I mean, our life is totally up to us, right? We are creating our reality. So how do we create the best reality?
1: I think it's a lot of things that we've talked about. I think it is finding the vision. I think it's doing the work, like break it down. What is it going to take? That is a way to shine the light on it. I think it is opening yourself to the possibility of what if, instead of going with no. I think that part of it, honestly, is just realizing that if you don't change, another 10 years are going to go by and you're going to be in the same exact place. And I think that the final thing is accepting that there's never a perfect time. Yes. There's never a there's never a perfect time to start a business. There's never enough money to start their business. Same thing with children, right? There's never the perfect time to have a child. You are either too busy or you don't have enough money. You know, I can remember my best friend wanted to have private school tuition and college tuition in a bank account before she had her second child. I'm like, it's like, it's ridiculous. Like that's not going to happen. You have to realize that things do work out. So my father has a theory, he calls it JIT money. And it's just in time. And you have to help the just-in-time money. But if you have faith and if you if you work towards it, the money you need will always show up just in time. So I know that you left a big corporate job and there's never a good time to leave a corporate job, right? No. You're never going to have enough money in the bank. You're never going to know what you're doing next. It's always yeah. take
0: The best part about that was I had delayed it for months because I, you know, you want all your ducks in a row and you want everything to be perfect. And I finally literally woke up what really happened. It was a Thursday. I'll never forget it. I'd gotten some dreadful assignment and I finally was like, fuck it. I'm done. I'd already, my resignation had letter had been written for months and I literally, it was, thank goodness I did it in the moment or I wouldn't have. I walked down the hallway and I I sat down with my boss and I finally did it. But you're right. What you're saying is there's never going to be a right time. Take action and the money, the resources, whatever you need will show up. It will show up. Now, I am not saying quit
1: your job, sit at home on the couch and watch TV all day. No. you got to put some effort in, but if you do put that effort in, it will show up, it will work out, it will happen. And it's, and it's having to so go back to the sand. Like it's not holding it so tight. It's, it's having the mindset of abundance, of possibility, and knowing and being open that it will show up.
0: I'm definitely going to write that quote down. It's having the mindset of abundance and possibility. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I have a few rapid fire questions to ask you to wrap up the interview. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know people get all nervous and I'm like, it's, you'll be fine. Okay. The first one, what is a quote or motto that you live by?
1: Oh, so I'm going to have to go with my high school. We had, we had an official like Latin motto and then we had the unofficial one. And it is Function and Disaster, Finish and Style.
0: I've never heard that one. So it's all about,
1: like, you know a duck glides across the water looking so nice, but they're paddling like mad underneath? Yep, that's what we do. We may function and disaster, but we're going to pull it out at the last minute and look great.
0: Oh, sweet. Love that. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend?
1: Um, okay, so I'm reading two really good books right now. One is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it is all about growing as a leader and that you are the one that is holding yourself back from that next job, that next promotion. And the way to become that good leader is to stop focusing on yourself and focus on others. Yep. So that's awesome. And then the other ones right here... Fix this next by Mike McCallowitz. So it's a great framework for looking at what is not working in your business and uh, and attacking that next.
0: The previous book you shared uh, that you are the one holding yourself back. What mm-hmm. what was the key message in that note?
1: Um,
0: to to
1: focus on others and only by focusing on other people can um, you become the leader that you need to be, your company needs you to be, um, your coworkers need you to be.
0: Do you know, I've actually heard something similar, especially for public speakers, for people who get all worked up and anxious about public speaking. It's because you're making it about you. When you make it about the audience and you wanting to serve them and the message come out, then that's when it just flows. So I, I understand what they're saying. Exactly. Okay, final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self?
1: So this is really interesting. I um, When my uncle was dying, his priest came to the house and said, okay, what regrets do you have? And Eddie said, I don't have any regrets. I lived my life. And I have to say, I don't have regrets about my life because every decision I made brought me here. Um, So I think the advice that I would give myself is um, be a little more open to the possibilities that are out there. I don't know that I was as open as I could have been done at 20 or 25.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and one know, other I, thing. Yes.
1: All right, failure is a learning opportunity. Failure enables success. If you do not fail, you are never gonna succeed. So fail fast, fail forward
0: percent. What a great note to end on. Brooke, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Heather. I had a great time.
0: Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Be sure to sign up for my free video training on how to get unstuck and create lasting change at heatherhakes.com. And I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can find me on Instagram at heather.hakes, Facebook, Heather Hakes, and YouTube. Guess what? You got it, Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.